Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Let's go. Ready? From the top. My favorite shows on TV have 12 minutes of advertising. I can't get behind that kind of time. Eat quickly, drive faster, make more money now. I can't get behind that. My kids say... He said to me, and I'm like, and he's like, and she's like, it's all, he's all, she's all. I can't get behind that kind of, like, English. That'll be six to eight weeks before delivery. The rising oceans, the warming temperatures. The dying polar bears, no tigers in 50 years. Rising poison in the air and water. I can't understand why the price of gas suddenly rises when oil goes up. But takes months to go down long after oil can't get behind any of that. All right. Well, if you can't get behind something, today is a good day to be listening to this show because we're going to take calls here. No, don't call in yet because I don't really – I'm looking at the screen and it doesn't really look like we're ready. <laughs> we're getting ready. We're getting ready to take your calls. We will be able to take your calls. Let me just tell you a couple about a couple of things that are going on right now and then let me kind of just set up the premise of this show on which you're gonna, we're going to try to take your calls. Um the the uh, first of all, I want to just say that one reason we're doing this is because we're short a producer right now, Betsy Kaplan, as many of you know, the longtime senior producer of the show, could not take another minute of it, and uh, has <laughs> has resigned and is driving across the country uh, in sort of a living Jack Kerouac novel. Uh, so. We're trying to hire a new senior producer right now. But that means, you know, a little harder to get guests lined up and get them ready and stuff. So uh, we're, we will occasionally do this kind of format, uh, which is an all-call show. Uh, and um, so, that, yeah, that's, that's step one. Uh, step two is I just want to tell you about a couple of other shows that are going to come up that are either going to involve calls, maybe, or your participation. Tomorrow we're doing a show about Plum Island. Now, Plum Island, as many of you know, is right off the coast of Connecticut. It actually connects to Old Saybrook via a ferry. Uh, and uh, it is a place where there is research into animal diseases. Uh, there is uh, – it's that, – that facility is going to close down and move out to Kansas, but it hasn't yet. And it's actually been the object or subject of quite a bit of paranoia. Uh, and – Anyway, for that reason, we thought it would be kind of an interesting thing. Um, oh, the computer doesn't work. Oh, great. Uh, so anyway, um, um, okay, so we're going to fix up the, the call thing in just a little while. So I'm just going to talk for a while. <laughs> and you won't be able to do anything about it. Okay, so we're, we're going to do a show about Plum Island anyway. And it has been the subject of rumors and, and you know, wild speculation and stuff like that. Uh and uh, we probably will take calls, particularly, you know, if you live along the shoreline area and you sort of, you know, you have fears or you think you got rage virus from a monkey on Plum Island or something. We'd love to hear from you. That's tomorrow. Don't call today. In fact, nobody should call right, <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, so uh, that's one. Now, two is on Thursday, kind of as a sequel to the show we did about dragons, which has been re-aired recently. Um, we are going to do a show 
by produced by celebrity producer Lily Tyson uh, about unicorns. And we're actually kind of interested not so much in getting your calls on that day, although unicorns will be allowed to call in on If you're an actual unicorn, you can call in. But, um, but more beforehand, if you would like to sort of give us a little audio memoir of the fact that you know, maybe you didn't realize until you were 20 that unicorns aren't, they don't really exist. Or maybe you think unicorns do really exist still and you're 40. Or if you wanted to record one of your kids talking about unicorns, anything like that, we would be interested. We can tell you how to do it. We can tell you how to do it and send it to us with just your phone. Um, and I think the best thing for you to do right now, because it's just so hard to give out email addresses on the air, is to – I'll give out my very simple email address. It's just my first name, Colin, C-O-L-I-N, at ctpublic.org. Colin at ctpublic.org. Uh, if, you, uh, if, you, if you would just like to send your idea to us, you know, and then I'll forward it to Lillian. We'll get things organized there. So um, – so yeah, there's, there's, so there's that. if I sound a little halting, I'm just looking over to find out whether anything that needs to work for us to be able to do this show is working at this point. Uh, so anyway, that would be great. So if you have something like that, like you'd be interested in maybe recording your kid or you'd be interested in recording your own personal memoir or thoughts about unicorns or if you were bitten by a unicorn that was at Plum Island um, and you got rabies. Uh, that would be we could use you on both shows is what I'm saying. All right. So that's all of that. So, yeah, today what I want to do when we uh, <laughs> when, when we get things moving here, when, in fact, uh, the computers are working and stuff like that, um, which I they don't look like they to me like they are. So um, what is we're going to try, try to take your calls about sort of, uh, you know, we're in this odd situation right now. I mean, obviously, we've been in an odd situation, an odd situation of different kinds since, let's say, March of 2020. But we're in kind of a hybrid odd situation right now where, you know, a lot of people basically feel as though it's over. You know, it's over. I can just forget it ever happened. I can go back to the bars. Uh, and, and then a lot of people don't. And, for example, today— the Nas- National Nurses United, which is the largest union of registered nurses, sent a letter to the CDC urging the agency to update its uh, guidance and reinstate the recommendation for everyone to wear masks in public uh, or in physical proximity to others outside their own household. Uh, and what they're basically saying is that, you know, this isn't over. Um, there's a 16 percent increase in daily new cases over the previous week. Uh, more than 40 percent are seeing an increase in daily new cases over the previous two weeks, uh, as well as 25 states seeing an increase in hospitalizations. Now, let me say a few things about that. Because, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to sort of crunch these numbers. But, for example, somebody on Facebook was saying, well, what, what's your criteria for being an over? Is it has to be like 0.0? Well, no, it doesn't have to be 0.0. But... It's actually the the caseload's increasing right now. <laughs> it's going up. So forget about getting down to 0.0. The caseload's going up right now. Uh, now, the reason it's going up is probably not so much because of the Delta variant, although there are people who will tell you different. But it, it's probably not so much because of the Delta variant. It's going up because there are some places where people are not getting vaccinated. 
And, and the places that it is going up in, the, the rise in the caseload, and, and actually the New York Times, the way they crunch the numbers, in the last 14 days, um, or, or, or well, over the last 14 days, we've reached a point where we have a 94% increase in the average daily uh, cases over the over what it was two weeks ago. So that's essentially two, it's double, basically. Now, the places that it's increasing, what's driving this, if it were the Delta variant, there would be more of a uniform increase. But that's not the case. What's happening right now is that the cases are going up in places where people are not getting vaccinated uh, and, and not wearing masks. I mean, I think the, the nurses union, they have a point, you know, that maybe it's a little bit early to be getting rid of masks. I, I think, unfortunately, maybe that ship has kind of sailed, particularly in a place like Connecticut where, yeah, the vaccination rate is pretty high. I mean, nationally, the vaccination rate is 48 percent. So no way does that get us to where we need to go. Um, and and the, not only is it at 40 percent, 48 percent, but it's kind of stagnant, too. I mean, it's really not moving very much week to week. So we've hit whatever wall there is. Now, some of that is children. And children, you know, below below 12, I think, are not yet yet eligible or recommended for vaccines. Uh, But it's also just a lot of people who, for whatever reason, are not getting vaccinated. Um, So the notion that we could be at 48 percent and it could be over is, I I think, probably an ill-formed idea. Now, here in Connecticut, most of you listening are are in Connecticut, not all of you, but, you know, how, what is that sort of, how does that play out? You know, for me, I should I should sort of get this out of the way. For me, I am always going to be one of the most cautious people. Now, that is because the two people in the world who are the most important to me are medically vulnerable right now. One of them uh, has has had a, um, a, a year of aggressive chemotherapy that has been punching, essentially, the lymphocytes. It has been punching away at the very system uh, that uh, that fights off infections, uh, and his uh, neutrophil count uh, sometimes uh, drops to essentially zero, uh, and that's really bad. Um, so, I mean, now that situation is getting a little bit better, but it's still pretty bad. Um, and then the other person, the other most important person to me, is in a long-term hospitalization, partly due to what you would call at this point long covid uh, it's not only due to that, but I mean, you know, and, and it's sort of unclear and it's very mysterious, uh, like a lot of these long COVID cases are. It started out with a whole other different medical condition and the COVID kind of pounced on top of it. So the fact that I am with these people on a pretty regular basis, um, uh, you know, means that I have to be super careful. So if you see me somewhere, if you see me indoors, you see me in a grocery store, I'm going to have a mask on. I have not been out to dinner at a restaurant yet since the whole, since March of 2020. Um, I, I don't think I will be at an indoor restaurant for a very long time. But you know, like every like I'm like you. Every week I have to figure this stuff out. Well, by the way, I think we are ready to take calls. This is so exciting. So we're going to give out the number 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. You can call in just you know to share kind of how you're navigating all this or whatever you want. Or you can listen to me babble. Those are basically your two options. So, so yes, for me, I'm going to be more careful. But, you know, I don't know. It's like it's Monday, there's Monday Night Jazz now in Hartford. I love Monday Night Jazz in Hartford. And I think and it's outdoors. 
And I can probably get away <laughs> from people, you know, if I don't want people to be too close. I, I could probably make that, you know, uh, I can make that happen. And, and outdoor, outdoor transmission is like just incredibly rare anyway. I mean, it's not something that I should be too worried about, but I sort of have to be Caesar's wife. You know, here I have to really be a little bit better than everybody else. Um, and similarly, I don't know, yeah, somebody got in touch with me about Real Artways Creative Cocktail Hour. I love Creative Cocktail Hour. And and you can be outdoors at Creative Cocktail Hour. And, and I want to go to Creative Cocktail Hour. Now, should I go? I, I'm struggling with that one, you know. I, I would be a little bit nervous there. Um, and so, you know, but once again, I'm not typical. You know, other people... I think feel much freer to 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 do stuff. But you know, I mean, even just sort of putting this up on social media, I, I encountered right away some people who were struggling with similar things for whatever reason, including a minister who just been to a funeral where he was indoors and the people weren't masked and and it was the you know people bereaved people wanted to shake his hand or hug him or whatever, you know, and he wasn't really sure he wanted to do that. Um and either he's a minister, you can't tell people that they can't get hugged, it's, or you can, but, you know. Uh, well, if you're an Episcopalian, you never have to hug anybody. But um, it's God's frozen people. But, um, but anyway, so th- that would be an example. I-, I will tell you, I am a long, long way, and I would love to hear from you about this. We're going to do a whole separate show about handshaking and how it even came to exist and what it means. And, but, you know, I am a long way from shaking anybody's hand, a long way, months away from shaking anybody's hand. And, you know, long before there was a pandemic, we had – I remember we used to have as a guest a couple of times uh, a doctor named Ulysses, Ulysses Wu, who at that time was head of infectious diseases at St. Francis. I, don't, I think he might not be there anymore, but wherever he is, he doesn't shake people's hands. He never shook people's hands before the pandemic. Because he was an infectious disease expert and he just didn't see any – I mean he just saw shaking hands as a not particularly useful uh, tradition, not useful to anybody who isn't either a bacterium or a virus. Um, and I sort of – I may feel perv- – I don't like – I don't see why I should ever shake anybody's hand again. But I, I might change on that. Anyway, if you want to call in about this stuff, 860-275-7266, 860-275-7266. And just to prove that we're doing a show like this one, here's Kathy in Bark Hampstead. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Colin. How are you? I'm just fine. First, let me, let me just say I'm praying for your loved ones who have those health concerns and for you, too. Well, thank you. I've been a long-time listener. I used to listen to you on WTIC. used to try to win those contests with you, and I won wonderful tweezers with my name on them. <laughs> and that show was was. That show was fun because you were on it. Now, I don't listen to TIC anymore, but I listen to NPR. And, uh, well, I only listen to TIC because Bob Steele and you and, you know. Well, my husband's saying, Kathy, go on. Uh, stop going on. But, you know, <laughs> Colin. You know, no, I don't know Colin, what that is. Uh, it sounds like Hold on a second. Yeah, I don't know why that's happening. Um... You know, Kathy, I'm going to put you on hold for just a second. We're going to try to figure out why that's happening. Or actually, we'll do that. We'll put her on hold, and we'll try to figure out. Maybe I'm going to try to unlock. There's a there's a mysterious call that's on line three. I think that might be screwing things up. Okay, let's go back to Kathy. Kathy, uh, 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 go back to what you were saying before. Your husband was telling you not to go on and on. Oh, he, he's on the 
on the computer, and he says I go on too much and get sidetracked. But anyway, Colin, uh, hang in there and get it. Uh, I'm praying that you get a new producer. Uh, Kitty Tolarski grew up in my neighborhood. She knows who I am, a wonderful person, and uh, uh, elbow bumps. Elbow bumps, yeah. Yeah, those are good, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, also about the pandemic, what what's bothering me is I'm real close to Collinsville, yeah. and that's a fun place. And I don't know if you've been to LaSalle Market. Oh, yeah. But there, for a long time, they're looking for more pizza makers because uh, they're short on that. Maybe they've got one. I don't know. But yesterday, passing by, they're looking for people at LaSalle Market, servers. And uh, so if anybody's looking for a job, <laughs> check out that place because... On Friday nights, they used to have a, a real nifty, swinging, uh, you know, open mic. Yes, in fact, our the, our, our, our now-departed senior producer, Betsy Kaplan, her husband Keith used to play on those open mic nights. I think that's why they had oh, to leave town, actually. There's, you know, maybe something happened there. <laughs> but, um, but, but they haven't had those, you know, since the pandemic started, and, and the the poor business, it's a wonderful business. They make wonderful sandwiches and pizzas and salads, but they're short on staff, so somebody in your universe, please go. John says, give it a rest. We'll but, do that. Collinsville uh, is a great place. Yeah. Kathy, it has been great to talk to you. I could talk to you all day, and I, I get the feeling you could talk to me all day, but we have to sort of move on here a little bit. We've got a lot of people calling in here. The number is 860 I'm still getting the hang of this. 860-275-7266. As we go along here, too, I want to talk to you a little bit about like what's going on in some other countries. In some ways, the most fascinating country to me right now is Japan because they're about to host the Olympics. And they have a mess on their hands. They, after doing like so many Pacific Rim countries, did so incredibly well at, uh, at mitigation, you know, at, at, at social distancing and masking and stuff like that. So, I mean, Japan, they never really had a bad, bad, bad COVID crisis. In fact, I think, you know, I, I think if, if, you know, if you took their COVID numbers and blew them up to the sides of the U.S., it would be like 30,000 cases or something, mm-hmm. 30,000 30, deaths, I mean. Uh, you know, we've had 600,000, more than 600,000. So they, they did very well, but they didn't really come up with a workable vaccine program. So they have the Olympics coming in right now. I think they have 19% of the country fully vaccinated. So uh, I do want to talk about them at some point. Um, but it was nice visiting with Kathy. We're going to, I'm just going to move down the line here. Uh, here's Michael in Orient Point. Hi, Michael. Hey, hey, how are you today? Good. I'm, uh, I'm calling because I'm a little concerned that uh, intellectual progressives are starting to, in my opinion, get a little bit uh, Q-like in the way that they're not trusting the science and the efficacy of the vaccinations. And I'm not accusing you, but it kind of sounds like you're uh, maybe more worried than you ought to be. I'd like to hear your thought on that. Well, once again, you know, like I said, the two closest people to me include somebody who's been through rigorous a year of incredibly aggressive chemotherapy, which has a, which was aimed at his lymphocyte system, uh, and who, what they call the ANC, the neutrophil count, would go down to zero at times. Uh, he's in a very precarious position and has not been vaccinated. 
because they didn't really have a system that could be activated by vaccine. I am not going to take the chance of bringing that into him. I mean, I'm involved in his his care and in his life. And the other person in my life who's the most important person to me, one of those two most important people, is a person who's a long COVID sufferer in a hospital with some other you know, extenuating medical conditions piled on top of that has been in the hospital for eight months. I'm in and out of that hospital all the time. I mean, obviously, when I'm in the hospital, I have to wear a mask. Everybody wears masks in hospitals. Still, you know, you can't go into a hospital and not wear a mask. So, uh, yeah, I am really, really careful. And as I said, I'm Caesar's wife. Uh, You know, I have to be more careful than most people. Um, Sure, sure. So, so, but as somebody who has a you know, sort of a, you know, a megaphone, you're on the radio. To, to those of us who are not in contact or remotely close contact with at-risk people, is it fair to say we should be living our lives uh, with, I don't want to say carefree, but, you know, not really looking over our shoulders? I, I, I think you should be living your lives but looking over your shoulder. I, I mean, first of all, there'll be an upspike in the fall. It probably won't be as bad here in the Northeast. Um, I mean, the other thing to remember here is 48 percent of the country is vaccinated right now, which, you know, isn't really a high number. I mean, we what we need probably to achieve so-called herd immunity is 85 percent immunity. Now, that could combine vaccinated people with previously infected people, although previously infected people, once they're you know stabilized, should probably get at least one shot. There's an indication that getting that shot vastly boosts immune response uh, in previously infected people. So when we're at 85 percent, then, you know, then you don't have to worry about this disease anymore. One thing you should think about right now is all of the people who are unvaccinated are essentially incubators for more mutations. And, you know, I mean, we don't really have the mutation yet that escapes uh, the vaccines. But in fact, if we if we let this virus hang around like this, for a really long time. We'll either incubate it in this country or in the rest of the world. I mean, we, we now know that viruses have passports. You know, they go they go everywhere in the rest of the world where they're not vaccinated, where they're not vaccinating and where, in fact, the virus is running rampant in some areas. Um, you know, I mean, it'll come here. So anybody who sort of thinks, oh, well, I never have to think about this again. I think that's wishful thinking. And it might be true. Maybe you'll never have to worry about this again. But you know, the virus isn't knocked off in this country. It's growing in this country right now. The numbers are not going down right now. They're going up. Now, they're not going up in Connecticut and New York. But, you know, I mean, they are going up. So, I mean, it's not like this problem isn't here anymore. Um, should you go live your life? Yeah, if you want to. Sure. You know, I mean, just sort of think a little bit about the people around you, though. Children are not vaccinated. And, you know, children... Children don't get the virus very often, but they don't never get the virus. And yeah, you know, maybe maybe you don't know anybody like the people I just described, but but I do. And if you and I have an encounter, you know, I mean, I'm going to be a little careful around you. Um, that's all I'm. Really, but I'm I'm mostly asking people. I'm not telling people what I think they should do. I'm telling people what I'm doing, but I'm asking people. I'm curious to know, you know, what do people want to do? So you. You want to live your life. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. No, I have to agree with you uh, and, uh, you know, give you kudos. If I were in your situation, I would also be equally as careful. So thanks for taking my call. Okay, sure. Yeah, and I do want to say this isn't a prescriptive show. 
It's a descriptive show. It's a show. I'm, I mean, the reason we're taking calls is because I'm, I'm interested to know, you know, how do you navigate these things? I, I heard on, on Facebook today from a guy I know who is wearing masks in certain situations, wearing a mask in certain situations. But he wonders, do, well, do people think I haven't been vaccinated? You know, because I have been vaccinated. I'm wearing the mask for other reasons, whatever reasons. But do they think because I'm wearing a mask that I'm not vaccinated? To which I said, probably not, because the people who are still refusing to get vaccinated are essentially the same people who refused up to the time of vaccination to wear masks. So I don't think there are many people who are anti-vaxxers who wear masks because they, the, the objectors overlap very, very heavily. All right. So let's do one more. Oh, look, where's the time going? All right. We have to take a break. We have to take a break. So um, we've got Leslie. Uh, we've got Jeffrey. We've got Matt. Uh, and uh, we will talk to all of you and we will get more calls. But first, we must a break take. There was a woman in Georgia, didn't feel just right. She had fever all day and chill the night. Now things got worse, yes, a serious bind. In times like this, it takes a man with a style like getting out of a bind. A doctor of the heart and a doctor of the mind. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. All right, we're going to go back to your calls in just a second. The number is 860-275-7266. The overarching topic is... Kind of where are you at mentally and physically with the return to society? I mean, assuming you're vaccinated, uh, you know, I mean, if, you're not, if you're not vaccinated, I, mean, I, I would be interested in knowing why you're not vaccinated. But uh, for those of you who are vaccinated, you know, are you still wearing a mask in some situations? Are you not comfortable with certain things? That kind of stuff. Um, there are no wrong answers. Uh, and, uh, well, there may be wrong answers. I will let you know if you give a wrong answer, but mostly, yeah, descriptive kind of show. want to mention once again, um, tomorrow's show is about Plum Island. I think we'll take calls in tomorrow's show so you can talk about how you got rage virus from a monkey on Plum Island. Um, and then, uh, on, on Thursdays, Thursday show is about unicorns and we really kind of are interested in, in advance and collecting some audio about unicorns, either from your kids or you or, you know, you get to be 30 years old, you find out there really weren't unicorns um, or you find out there really are unicorns when you were 30. Um, so, but to do this, you probably should reach out. I'm going to just suggest you start by emailing me, Colin, C-O-L-I-N, at ctpublic.org. And then you will hear from celebrity producer Lily Tyson, who will – we can just do this with your phone. I'm going to show you how to do it with your phone. It would be very easy. Okay. 
Uh, time to go back to the calls. We're going to start with Leslie in stores. Hi, Leslie. Uh, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hi. I think you're right on, Colin. Um, just out of consideration for others who have compromised immune systems or have some other issues such as your loved ones, I hope they get better soon. Um, I have three members of my extended family, a sister and a niece and a nephew, who um, all work in hospitals full time. Mm-hmm. And they've been, I know what they've been dealing with these last 16, 17 months. And, um, you know, that could be anybody's family member. Um, you know, you're at work <laughs> and you catch COVID. Not a good thing. No, and um, I, I, I want to say just I want to chime in on that and say I'm in hospitals a lot these days. I mean, I spent more time yeah. in hospitals in the last year than I have in the rest of my life combined. And, and you know, I spend a lot of time talking to in, in particular nurses and respiratory therapists mm-hmm. but, and also doctors. Yeah. And, and first of all, these are amazing people. I mean, I've just met so many amazing people yeah. and people who in little ways and big ways just save us every day. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, they deserve protection. I have to say also, nobody's perfect, including hospital workers. And once or twice I've actually had to point out to a hospital worker, a nurse or a oh. respiratory therapist, walking into a room that their nose was totally exposed by, you know, on their end of the mask and slipped below their nose. Because they're, they're like us. They're normal people. They, you know, I mean, you can just, that can happen and you don't notice. And, um, but, yeah, they, they, we owe them so much. And, and a lot of them got COVID, treating patients in the early wave uh, and, and pulled through it and are back at work. But I mean, that took guts, too. Anyway, continue with your point. And, and not all hospital workers or doctors or nurses or respiratory right. therapists. They're the people who empty the waste baskets, yep. the people who bring the food. Um, and then there are EMTs who yep. bring you to the hospital. You know. Anyway, um, it's just out of consideration. I, don't, I have no problem wearing a mask. I live in stores, you know, where the university is. And for years, I've seen students from Asia wearing masks in the winter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are they doing that? Because they had SARS and all these other illnesses, they know what it's like and they know how to deal with it. Yep. So, you know, I've been in a Home Depot where I'm the only person wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And I'm really fine with it. But I'm not catching that variant. Right. <laughs> I can help it. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, it makes sense to me, Leslie. Thanks for your call. I just want to quickly say, since she's mentioning Asia, I was in, actually, I was actually in Japan in 2009 when one of the, you know, it was sort of the so-called swine flu um, uh, thing was happening. And yeah, a lot of people wearing, were wearing masks. And the thing about Japan is, it's a, <laughs> I'm now to be Captain Obvious, it's a really crowded place and space is at a premium. I mean, you know, their understanding of how much space you need for a bar or a store or something like that is like how much space we think you need for a closet. So, I mean, it, you know, they have to be super careful because they are packed in tighter uh, on, you know, on mass transit and, and every other way. Uh, and But, you know, they have some interesting ideas. And one of them, I think it's called the Genkan, uh, which is sort of the intermediary space, the liminal space between the outdoors and the indoors. So, you know, one of the things that they do is that there's sort of a spot, you know, in homes and restaurants where you step in, you take off your shoes, you know, walk in with your shoes on. And we're going to, like, crap this on the bottom of your shoes into the living space or the eating space or whatever, you know, and maybe some other stuff, too. And I think we might move towards that. This isn't my own original idea, but you might see more people kind of doing that. I mean, the best thing in the world that we really could have would be a GenCon, a little liminal space into our houses that where you took off your shoes. And if you there could be a sink there. 
you know, where you could wash your hands. You know, I mean, we cut way down. I mean, look, you know, the other thing is COVID is not the only disease. Um, you know, I mean, the flu is going to come back. You know, we missed the flu this time. I missed, I, I use sort of in quotation marks, because we were being so smart about infection control, there was no flu. So, you know, other diseases will come back. Anyway, let's go to uh, Michael J. and then we'll go to Matt. And boy, there's a lot of people who want to talk. Hi, Matt. You're, uh, Michael J., sorry, you're on the air. Hi, how Hi. are you? Good. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I, uh, I find your program to be uh, one of the most unique I've ever heard. And I go back all the way to uh, Steve Post on WBAI, which is a long, a long road back there in the 60s. Anyway, um, I have cancer myself. I have multiple myeloma. It's a blood cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had some great treatment <clears throat> from my doctors. Very, very uh, just good luck and wonderful tre- doctors. But nevertheless, I have a somewhat compromised immune system, both from the illness itself as well as from the uh, cancer treatments. Mm. So I, I felt like I had to be especially careful. Um, now I'm fully vaccinated as well as my friends. But I would say this is one of the things that affected me or one of the changes in behavior that, that happened to me is uh, more than a little anxiety regarding touching things mm-hmm. uh, and a, uh, a feeling that... Those groceries I purchased perhaps should be wiped down with alcohol um, and similar kinds of anxieties that are they're OCD. But in my mind, somehow, which, of course, is based on irrational fears. But in my mind, somehow, it's not so irrational after all, because you have this sort of creeping unknown, or at least in the early days of, of the illness before there was a vaccine. Um, and, and I found that that is still plaguing me today, where I am overly careful uh, and washing things and the like. I just wondering if uh, any of your other, uh, well, what would your comment be on that? Uh, well, the first thing I can tell you, I, I can assure you that you are not alone. I can promise you from the bottom of my heart, that there's at least two of you, <laughs> because I know somebody else who's doing exactly what you're doing. So, and you know, look, I, I think it's completely understandable. It's sort of like, you know, what they say about paranoia. You're not paranoid if there's somebody out to get you, you know? Well, you're not OCD if you're immune compromised. And, and like I say, COVID is not the only disease out there. And, and in a way, this is a good time to be immunocompromised. In a way, it's not, obviously. But it's like, you know, I don't know. I was talking to a friend about somebody we both know who had lymphoma, you know, quite a few years ago when people weren't doing, you know, hand hygiene all the time and weren't wearing masks all the time. And then you got all these infections and they almost killed you or they did kill you, you know. I mean, right now, the good news is People, even now, even though they're sort of coming out of it a little bit, people are being more careful than they ever have been before. And, you know, really, I think some of this is going to stay around. I think handshaking is going to drop, you know, by 50 percent, if not more in some cases. Uh, I think, you know, wearing masks on planes uh, will probably stick around after COVID as a distant memory. I think that there's some things like that that always made sense, but we didn't do them because they were too much of a pain in the neck or, or whatever. So I don't know. I wouldn't beat myself. I mean, look, you, the problem with OCD is when it gets in the way of your life, you know, and we're really sort of interferes, yeah. then it's a problem, uh, you know, and, and, and then maybe you need to think about it. But 
I don't know. I don't think anybody would blame you at all. You know, um, I mean, I don't well, people around you. Things- yeah, go ahead. Well, actually, I, I have to be honest. I think it has affected my life. Um, I have an incredibly understand understanding uh, of girlfriend of oh, over ten years. Yeah. Um, uh, but I was going to say, even as as things have been looking better now with this new variant, you start to wonder. Okay, it's supposedly the case where most of these vaccines are uh, are effective against this new variant, but. Uh, are we so sure about that? And now uh, uh, Pfizer is is saying that maybe it's possible that we would need a booster shot after six months, which is a controversial uh, thing, at least according to our government health agents. But I wonder myself if somebody like me who may need an extra booster because my immune system might be so weak that um, if I want to function out in the real world and I go out there in the real world, do my own grocery shopping and driving and so on, <clears throat> it may be that it wouldn't be such a bad idea for me after all. I don't know, but we're, well, I guess nobody's really sure about that. So uh, let me just but say anyway, yeah, yeah. it's sort of has it's reinforced my fears <laughs> once again, you know? Yeah. No, I, you know, and look, I, I, I get that. And I, I'll just say a couple of things really quickly. Um, I, so far, I think we are pretty safe with the vaccine and the variants, including the Delta variant, including the Delta Plus variant. I mean, there may be a variant that comes along that is much more uh, escapable, uh, and that's going to be a problem. And it's more, as I said before, it's more likely to happen the more we let this damn thing hang, ar- hang around. So uh, so I think, you know, and, and I think the case for boosters with mRNAs, particularly Pfizer, hasn't been made. But I also think you're a unicorn, just to sort of project forward towards our Thursday show. I mean, wh- whatever the science on you and the science on people who are immunosuppressed, either because of organ transplants or cancer or cancer treatment or, you know, I mean, it's a, it, they're still figuring this out. As you I probably know from your doctors, they're going, yeah, I think maybe this is a good time for you to get a shot, you know, um, but they don't really know. And you may ultimately need a booster, you know, and you'll just have to depend on your oncologist and everybody else for that. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, yes, it does sound like this is probably interfering with your life a little bit. And, you know, there's there's some, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy stuff that you could do to kind of, you know, work that back a little bit. You could even just find some of it online and not have to see a therapist. And, you know, I don't know, wiping your girlfriend down with alcohol wipes, that could be sort of an intimacy builder, too. So, you know, I mean, if it's done in the right mood with some candles and a nice bottle of wine or something. Um, all right. So anyway, I got to go. I got to move on to the next thing. Or maybe, I, can't, I think I have to take a break, actually. But we will get to Matt. Oh, this is the Matt. I know this Matt. OK. We'll get to Matt afterwards and as many other calls as we can. 3% of people use 5 to 6% of their brain. 97% use just 3% and the rest goes down the drain I'll never know which one I am But I'll bet you my last dime 99% think we're 3% 100% of the time They say 65% of all statistics are made up right there on the spot 
Wow, this show is flying by. Uh, thanks to Kat Pastor. She's there in the studio uh, making everything happen. I mean, I'm here. We're all in the studio. This hasn't happened. This is like a landmark thing. This is the first time since sometime in March of 2020 when Kat's there in the technical producer booth. I'm here in the host booth. And now Jonathan McPants, who is the producer of today's show and is doing all the call screening, is in the producer booth. This isn't this... We haven't had a sort of a three-person show. This is, and it's interesting that it's this particular show too. When we're talking about what to do and what not to do and what to come back to and all that kind of stuff. So, anyway, and I, I hope Michael J took that last suggestion in the spirit it was intended. I mean, I just feel like you know maybe Barry White needs to record a song. You know, uh, I want to wipe you down with antibacterial wipes, baby. Uh, just to make it sexy and fun for people. And now I'll put the minister on. That'll be a perfect segue. Uh, <laughs> so here's, here's Matt from Cheshire joining us right now. Hi, Matt. You're on the air. Hi, Colin. Uh, you really struck a nerve with me when you post this topic. I just, uh, you know, I, I am a, a minister. I'm an interim minister. So that means I go from place to place. And I spent the last 14 months in isolation, uh, just doing doing worship to a to a screen, and it's just been in the last month that I've been out in the world again at all. And I moved to a new church, uh, 400 people who all had to be trained to elbow bump mm -hmm. because they thought a new minister meant a new thing. But yesterday I did a, a funeral service in Hartford, and you mentioned that at the top of your show. Um, and, I, and at that funeral service, it's like everything changes because uh, you're in the dark. Uh, the funeral director, the first thing that happens, they have a pile of masks and a hearty handshake to offer you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, man, this is a setup. Yeah. Uh, so I walk in and I'm meeting the family for the first time. And uh, it's really, really difficult to say, oh, no, well, okay, we can fist bump, we can elbow bump, we've got to stay a few feet apart. Nobody's wearing masks. Uh, everybody's looking to uh, receive some comfort. Mm -hmm. So staying away from the hugs and the handshakes is really hard. And I, you know, I am a hugging and handshaking guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, been very difficult. And I've been in kind of a state of shock because I have been in a in front of a room with people for until about 10 days ago. And now it's just like this inundation. It's, it's social overload for me. Right. Uh, I'm not a, a hugging or even particularly like the, the peace, you know, in a church service. I was like, hate that. I got to go shake hands with somebody. I don't know. So um, uh, like before the pandemic, that's how I felt. So uh, the one thing that I would say about all this, because I, you know, I read your thing today and, and I responded to it, but I'll say this on the air too. I do think, if, in fact, you have misgivings, first of all, it's okay to have misgivings. Um, this is we're in terra incognita. And even if you're the minister and it's a funeral, I think it's still okay to have misgivings. And I think the important thing to do is to set the tone at the beginning. You know, I mean, and I, I've learned this the hard way, that almost before you walk into a situation, you should know what you will do and what you won't do and what you need to say to people. You know, and, and I've made the mistake of not doing that. When I went to get my hair cut, it just, it just the situation felt way less safe than I thought it was going to feel. And I should have just walked out or said, look, I can't do this unless you have a mask and you have a mask, you know, or whatever. And But I, I think for you, you know, I, I think it, you can, I think, and maybe, I don't want to tell you how to be a minister. You know how to be a minister, not me. But I think in a pretty loving way, you can say, look, the worst thing in the world would be if anybody got sick as a result of this. 
you know, and we don't really know who's here and and what their immune system is like. Or so let's just be on the safe side. And so here's some things we're gonna do, and here's some things we're not gonna do. And you know, what you guys do among yourselves is also pretty much your own business. Uh, but you know, here's sort of what my what I think my comfort level is. And and I think you know you probably find some. <laughs> Some considerably less clinical way of saying that. But it seems to me if you do that at the beginning, you know, I I, I think most people are going to be okay, you know, and they're not going to ask. I don't think anybody wants to ask you to do stuff you don't want to do. I mean, because that ultimately isn't – if they realize that, you know, ex post facto, uh, they're, you know, they're not going to feel good. Does that make sense? counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. So I don't know. You weren't really asking me for advice, but I gave you some anyway. Um, all right. Let's go to. We'll go to Paula. Our number is eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. But I say that aware that I'm running out of time. So, um, but you know, if you had something really this kind of burning through you, to, that you have to get on the air, you can call. Uh, here's Paula in Meriden. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am all right. How are you? I'm very good. I I just wanted to comment that um, I've gotten through this pandemic because I guess I had a little practice beforehand. Mm. Um, I lost my car, uh, uh, which sort of isolates you more and you're stuck home. I was uh, on the public bus. I've had, um, I'm a lung cancer survivor, so I'm, very cautious during flu season. I like to read. Um, I have a wonderful backyard that has a lot of birds. Oh, you may be breaking. You, you may be breaking up a little bit, oh, but but I I sort of take yeah that's okay. But I sort of take your point, Paula. I mean, I think you know the people who struggled the most were the people who have certain expectations about life. The people who think just to coin a phrase that life is a cabaret. You know, people who sort of think, oh, well, you know, that's what life is, is you go out and you you have drinks and you sit close to people and you talk into their faces and stuff. And those people, those of us who, for whatever reason, ranging from cancer treatment to shyness, never really, you know, saw that as an indispensable part of life. Uh, this has not been as drastic an adjustment. I mean, everybody's had to adjust somehow. And I think during the pandemic, everybody had little things, even if you were not gregarious, even if you were like Paula. I think there were like little moments where you would sort of say, oh, I wish I could go do that. <laughs> I wish I could go do this. Um, and, you know, I, I'd be off like taking my dog on an outing and driving home and listening to you know, live from here when it was still on and thinking, I think I'll go stop in the wine place I like and buy a bottle of wine. And then I'd think, oh, no, <laughs> I'm not even, they don't, they're not even open for that purpose right now. Um, so, yeah, people, there were things everybody missed. All right. So here is Thomas from Waterbury. Hi, Thomas. You're on the air. Hey, hello, Colin. I just want to say that you are awesome host. Me and my daughters listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. On uh, what is it? Saturdays or Sunday? Saturdays, Saturdays at noon. Yes. Yeah, Saturday, Saturdays at noon. Or eleven, maybe. eleven, eleven, eleven. I tell them that I spoke to you. Yep, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure uh, just to be speaking to you. But um, just to kind of get to my mind state on 
I guess what we call a transition period mm-hmm. of uh, dealing with COVID right now. I, I, I want to point out that I think we're going through uh, herd immunity, actually. Um, and that's because of the government mandate. And I'm actually vaccinated myself. But you, al- you also have to think about the people who were mavericks against any kind of government mandate and how they're walking around and they kind of blend in with the rest of the public who are vaccinated, even though they aren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So on some kind of level, I think we're dealing with herd immunity and it's just not really being put out there as such. Because, you know, with this new administration being opposed to the last administration, you know, we actually we actually have a solid agenda as far as getting through this pandemic. And, um, you know, politics has a heavy hand in what's going on right now. Um, and I just wanted to put that out there. I also wanted to put out there that I did have COVID back uh, last year in November. My whole family actually Oof. had COVID. We got through it. My wife is a frontline worker. Oof. And, um, yeah, it, it it was tough. I just wanted to got, kind of put that out there and see what you had to say in terms of that. All right. Well, I'm almost out of time. Um, I don't think we're quite at herd immunity. Um, as I said before, herd immunity probably with this thing, particularly with a high transmissibility, highly transmissible variant like, like Delta, um, is probably 85%. But that 85% can be a composite of vaccinated people and people who have acquired immunity, uh, naturally acquired immunity by having caught the disease. I don't think we're at 85. We might be close in certain, you know, geographic sectors um, as a country. I, I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I, but I also understand. I understand that we're going through a transition and that, you know, somebody who sort of says, look, I think, I think I'm safe. I think I'm safe and I, I don't think I'm a menace to anybody else. It would, it's hard for me to say, well, you're wrong. You know, um, uh, what I would say is, OK, but just don't forget, just don't put it completely in a rearview mirror you never look into. 600,000 people died. I mean, uh, Thomas's family was in ter- terrible jeopardy. They made it through, but they were in terrible jeopardy with uh, so many of them uh, having COVID. Uh, there are long haulers, you know, who have chronic conditions. Uh, there are vulnerable people, uh, transplant patients, cancer patients, people with otherwise uh, compromised immune systems. So even if you feel it's over for you and it's time for you to get back to your life, I mean, that's fine. Just don't forget. Don't forget what we just been through. I mean, two or three months ago, that was not the case. And maybe three or four months from now, uh, things will be different. They might be better, but they also might be worse. So I mean, I don't know. Just don't blank out about the whole thing. All right. We have to go. Thanks very much to everybody who helped out. And we'll be back. Don't let us get old. Don't let us get stupid. All right. Just make us be brave. Make us play nice. Let us be together tonight.